Welcome to the Your Money Personal Finance Podcast. I'm Peter Sashecki, president of Everything Financial Group. Today, we're joined by Blair Manton of Sands & Associates, and we're going to be talking about consumer proposals and bankruptcies. So welcome, Blair. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. Uh, scary topic for people. Yeah. Um, stressful topic, I'm sure, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I know at Everything Financial Group, though, when... We, and we've talked about this in previous episodes on our podcasts, that when we see a person that we just know we can't help, we mm-hmm. can't provide the strategies or point them in the right direction. We've referred clients to you in the past because I think what we want to do today is educate people on what's involved, mm-hmm. what goes into consumer proposals, bankruptcies, um, to basically take the stress off. Because you must yeah. see that when when people get to that situation, they must feel that life's pretty much over sometimes. Yeah, well, absolutely, Peter. There's nobody that I meet with that is just, you know, nonchalant about their debt. And a money problem is not something you think about for 10, 15 minutes a day, put it away and move on. It's all consuming. We have people say it's every moment of every day. I know I'm in debt. I know I'm stressed out. I got the weight of the world on my shoulders. And what's so gratifying to us at Sands and Associates is just the transformation. When someone actually deals with that problem, when gets they get past the stigma and the shame and they start to learn about the facts, which I'm so thrilled we're going to give a lot of facts today about what people can do. They can have a new future. It's not the end of the story. It's the beginning of a new future when you deal with your debts. Two steps back to take three steps forward. Mm -hmm. So let's start into this. Um, Give us a bit of the history of Sands & Associates. Yeah, so we're BC's largest firm of licensed insolvency trustees focused exclusively on helping individuals and small businesses deal with their financial issues. We've been founded since 1990 and we only operate within BC. So we're experts within the issues that BC residents face, everything from ICBC to MSP to all the other unique things within BC here. We've got upwards of 25 offices within the province. And I say upwards, they've got two new ones opening just in the next couple of weeks here. Um, And since the pandemic, it's just been remarkable, the surge in demand. Things went a little bit quiet when people, you know, everything was shut down. Everyone's getting certain benefits. Well, yeah, no work and no debt collectors either. But now the government wants their money back. The debt collectors are back with with a vengeance. And people are getting sued for even little $5,000 debts that never happened before. So our phone's literally been ringing off the hook for months now. You know, February was the highest number of proposals we'd ever filed, and March is going to be a higher number than that. Wow. What's the basic difference between, if you can do it, it may not, but might not be that simple, mm-hmm. but between a bankruptcy and a consumer proposal? Yeah, let's start at the high level and go into as much detail as we need. You know, a bankruptcy is when you essentially throw up your hands and say, you know what, I'm hopelessly in debt. I need the protection of legislation, and I'm not even going to think about paying back a percentage of my debt. There's That's not in the calculus. It's just so hopeless in my situation. Bankruptcy allows you to start fresh. So you you employ a licensed insolvency trustee like a Sands & Associates. You sit down, you work through a number of duties you have to complete during the bankruptcy process, and you emerge from that being debt-free. Now, where a proposal is different is in a proposal, you feel like you're still in debt, but there's still a possibility that you're able to get things under control if they would just stop charging you all the interest first off, because sometimes, you know, credit cards are 20%, payday loans can be 40 or 50%. Oh, it's insane. So in a consumer proposal, it stops all the interest on your debt. But what's even more powerful is it actually reduces the debt down to what you can afford, which is often as little as 20, 25 cents on the dollar, sometimes a little higher or lower. So a lot of people can 
come in to us and they're resigned to their fate. They think that bankruptcy is the only thing that they can do. And we sit down and we say, well, could you pay back 20 cents on the dollar if you weren't never charged another cent of interest and all the costs of doing that were built into the 20 cent repayment? They say, well, yeah, of course I can do that. And that's what 85% of our clients choose to do these days. So even though people think of Sands and Associates as a bankruptcy firm and, you know, for 30 years of our history, that's what we've done. About 85% of our clients are choosing consumer proposals these days, which is a huge shift. You know, even five years ago, it was maybe 60, 40 proposals to bankruptcy. So it's, it's growing a lot. Well, that answered question two, which was, do you do both? The answer is, <laughs> yes, you do both. Yeah. And the other question is, now I see that obviously then there's a much larger percentage of consumer proposals for bankruptcies, and we'll get into timelines in a minute and stuff. But what to, to, to have people know kind of where they are, which may be a good or bad thing, but um, what's the general, if there is, mm. uh, this is as a layman asking this, the ratio of debt, let's say to income, to know if you need to start looking at, you know, going mm. to Sands and Associates and, and, and discussing one or the other, but, yeah. but, you know, is there, is there a number like we make this, but our debts per month total this is kind mm -hmm. of a magic formula. Yeah, there's no one size fits all because every circumstance is different. And, you know, even if you have debt and income, there's the missing piece of expenses there. And we all know the cost of living in BC and especially in the lower mainland. So there's not really one magic number, but there's a couple of things you can calculate. And it's more even a general feeling. You know, if you're feeling stressed about your debt, you know, there's the old saying, if you think you have a money problem, you probably do. So, you know, you don't have to be getting collection calls. You don't have to oh, be getting yeah. sued. Um, it doesn't have to get that dire. But if you're worried about your debt, it's probably a good indication that there is an issue there. One calculation I like people to do, we call it the rule of 60 math. And what it is, if you take all of your debt, now excluding your car loan and your and your mortgage, if you have one, but all of your unsecured debt, credit cards, lines of credit, okay. student loans, or whatever, take that number and divide it by 60 and say, is that a payment I could absorb into my budget? So if it's, you know, $36,000, for example, right. is your total debt. Divide that by 60, $600 a month. If you're saying, my gosh, I could never afford that. Well, that's the base minimum that you'd ever have to pay to get out of that debt within five years. And we're not a fan of the never, never plan at Sands right. and Associates. You never so, get ahead so, that way. Yeah. So if you're saying, you know what, there's no way I could pay my debt off in 60 equal installments right. at full. I can pay 200 bucks a month. Well, then probably all you're doing is just paying minimum payments on all of your debt. The banks probably love you because you're making them a ton of money on their interest. Your credit rating might look just fine, but you're actually not getting ahead. And if you take a look at your credit card statements that's been showing for about the last seven, eight years, if you only make the minimum payments, how long are you going to be in debt? I see hundreds of years on people's statements. It can be a sobering reality to understand your minimum payments. They're not designed to get you out of debt. Yeah. You're making minimum payments. You're going backwards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that 95% is interesting. People fees. think that you're paying, making minimum payments. You're going to eventually pay off a debt. Mm -hmm. You won't pay off a debt. Yeah, I hear yeah. people say, it's all okay, I pay the minimums on everything. And I say, well, go a level deeper and look where that, say, $200 minimum goes. Right. And in some cases, $190 of that is interest, fees, everything that's just gone. Maybe $10 of it is principal. So you can imagine how long it's going to take if 10 bucks of your $200 is all that's going to pay down your debt every month. Yeah. So when someone comes in, starts the process um, of this, and 85% and of the time now we know it's a consumer proposal, how long does it generally take to put the whole thing together where mm -hmm. now it's like, okay, now you're done. You can get on living and the new payment plan, yeah. if you will, 
is now established, it's now in place. Yeah, there's a few steps, especially with a consumer proposal, because just the word proposal means that you're making an offer, and that right. offer has to get accepted or rejected. So there's some timelines around that. But let's start first. How long does it take to even figure out if this is the right option to get mm-hmm. it structured for you? Because the great thing with the proposal is as soon as you've signed it, even if it's not accepted yet, you get the same protection as you would have in a bankruptcy. And most people generally understand bankruptcy means people have to back the heck off. They can't call you, harass you, can't take you to court if people's wages are being seized all that has to stop immediately. That happens the day you sign your proposal. And what's happened with us in the last few months here, we're seeing so many clients getting sued for even small debts, having their wages seized. That's the urgent call. As soon as we get a call that someone's being garnished, that's what it's called when your wages are taken. We'll get them a same day meeting and we can have documents ready in two or three days. If they know who they owe money to, they've got some ID, they've got their taxes. You know, it's not a whole lot of things that we need other than the basic facts of who do you owe? What do you own? What's your monthly budget? And then once we file that proposal, they get immediate protection. We're now in between them and their creditors. They don't have to worry about any harassment anymore. And then in the law, every consumer proposal in Canada, there's a 45-day voting period. So from the day you sign it, 45 days later, we know if we have a deal. And what's awesome on a proposal, this isn't a case of going individually to each of your creditors trying to make a deal with all of them. We send the same proposal to every creditor, and all we need is 50% by dollar value to say yes. So it doesn't matter if the government has 40% of your debt and the government would never accept a proposal from you. Well, from a trustee, if a majority of your debt says yes to a proposal, every other creditor is dragged along, whether it's the government, a personal creditor, anybody else. So it's quite powerful and you don't need to get everybody to agree. The idea of a proposal, it's a win-win. So the win to you is you don't have to file a bankruptcy. You don't have to have the negative or more negative connotations, which, you know, might be real or imagined. It's usually not as bad as you think, but you get to avoid that bankruptcy. And then to your creditors, the people you owe money to, you're offering them more back. So when we determine how much you have to pay back in a proposal, it's what you can afford, of course, because it can't put you into undue hardship. That's not what we're trying to do here. But it's also based on what would happen if you filed for bankruptcy. In many cases, if someone files for bankruptcy, they're getting nothing back to the creditors. It's going to be something rather than nothing. Exactly. Something's better than nothing. Good financial (laughs) financial lesson. So the proposal, really, what the proposal does is, like you said, it's a proposal. It's the application process. But it puts the brakes on the harassment mm-hmm. and gets the ball rolling. Well, and it gets you your paycheck back. So yeah. for these folks, like if you get sued for a debt in the province of BC, it's a very straight line. If you owe the money, they're going to be able to get a judgment unless it's, you know, a false debt. But usually these wow. guys, they've checked all their documents. As soon as they get that judgment, 30% of your wages can be taken on every paycheck. And have people say that. They said, how can they sue? People can sue for anything they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It might not be valid, yeah. but it's the, it's the BS of going through the suing and figuring out what's next. I well, mean, it, yeah. and what it's going to cost you to fight and, yeah. and whatnot. That's, yeah, that's part well, of And fun. when it's when it's a debt situation, you know, if it's a credit card company suing you, you don't really have a defense. You know, maybe if it's an old debt, if it's more than two years, you haven't paid it, there's your defense. But otherwise, you know, you can show up or not, they're going to get the judgment that it's a valid debt. And then from there, the court can allow them to, again, take up to 30% of your wages. So I had a client just two weeks ago now, $5,000 debt. I can't believe creditors are suing for $5,000 of debt, but they are these days. Wow. They had their, they've been ignoring it for a while. I'm sure they got court documents, didn't think it was real. They knew it was real when they got their paycheck and it was $600 short. And Peter, the consumer proposal we could do $76 comparatively. So instead of 600 bucks taken from their paycheck, 76 bucks voluntarily paid into a consumer proposal, got their life back, you know, back on their terms. So it's, it's life changing the stuff we can do. Wow. People, I don't want you to tune out. I want you to watch the whole episode, but 
If you have to stop here and go to the washroom, just remember that simple tip from Blair right there. Cause that would make a massive difference in someone's life. I mm -hmm. mean, that, that little bit, especially yep. nowadays in 2023 with the inflation levels and everything else. I mean, it, sometimes it's just trying to keep your head above water right now. Exactly. So yeah. in a consumer proposal, um, and we see those clients a lot, someone owns uh, their house mm -hmm. or well, the bank owns part of their house too, right? But yeah. they own a house that they have a mortgage on, et cetera. Or maybe they don't have a mortgage on. I don't know, but whatever the case may be, if you own your residence, mm -hmm. is that protected in a consumer proposal? Short answer is yes. So by definition, when you do a consumer proposal, all of your assets are are protected. So in a bankruptcy, you're surrendering assets to the trustee. Again, you're throwing up your hands saying, I need relief. Here's my assets. I'm going to pay off. You know, okay. I'm not going to consider paying off a proportion of the debt. In a consumer proposal, you're keeping all of your assets because you're saying, in lieu of me having to surrender anything, I'm going to make you an offer to pay back more than you would have gotten if I had filed for bankruptcy. So okay. in a consumer proposal, you never have to surrender any assets unless you wanted to, you could decide, well, my proposal is I'm going to sell my house in three or four years and pay off my debts then, as opposed to selling it now and being forced to. But the vast majority of consumer proposals, you don't sell any assets. You just make payments in lieu of ha you having surrendered any assets. Okay. So, so that will bring me to my next question then. And I think I know the answer, but we'll ask it. Well, we'll go with then, obviously one thing we deal with in creating financial plans quite a bit is RSPs and TFSAs. So they're mm -hmm. considered registered products. Mm -hmm. Um, People don't realize a TFSA is considered a registered product in the eyes of CRA and the government. But so then, so in a consumer proposal, protected, but in a bankruptcy, potentially not protected? Not quite. So each of them okay, are treated good. a little bit different. And RRSPs, first off, if folks take nothing else away from our, our segment today, I hope they take a lot away. But yeah. if someone is thinking, hey, I need to cash in my RRSPs to pay debt because if I went bankrupt, I'd lose them anyway. Full stop. That is completely wrong. Good. That was that way up until about 10 years ago. And the government, thank God, made a change to say, you know, it's always been the case. If you had a, a company pension plan, you went into bankruptcy, you didn't lose any of that. But your RRSPs, you did. They changed the law to make it a whole lot more fair for people that have done their best to save on their own for retirement. Perfect. So in neither a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy, do RRSPs have to be surrendered? Now, there is a consideration if you've thrown a ton of money in there in the last 12 months before you made a, a cash, filing. Yeah. Like, you know, if you owed $100,000 a debt and instead of paying that off, you put $100,000 into your RRSPs, which I've never seen that. Like, that's just who would do that. You know, that has to be considered. What did you put in the last 12 months? But usually when people are facing a big debt problem, they're maybe not contributing at all to an yeah, RRSP exactly. dollar for dollar that's going to be safe regardless of whether it's a bankruptcy or a proposal. Yeah, and you shouldn't expect to be protected if you're doing that because really it's fraud. You're trying to defraud creditors anyways. Yeah, at the end of the day, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of common sense in debt yeah. and insolvency legislations, which I like. So yeah, if it seems like it's a little bit odd that you could save for your retirement and not pay your debts, well, yeah, the last 12 months, you'd have to maybe give back those contributions. But the vast majority of it, the thing that breaks my heart is sometimes people come in, they had $100,000 saved for their retirement. They used it to pay off debt. And then, gee- Before they called you. Yeah. yeah and, and gee, they're back in debt now. Um, they could have saved that retirement. We should have dealt with the problem at that time. So RS RSPs, again, protected other than the last 12 months. TFSAs, completely different treatment. Oh. So if you go into a bankruptcy, whatever's in your TFSA is gone. That has to be paid off to your debts. So that can be a big consideration for somebody if they've built up a bunch of, of you know, investments TFSA, in, their yeah. in their TFSA. Now, if you do a proposal, again, in a proposal, you don't surrender assets. You would keep that TFSA. 
But the proposal you might have to offer, you know, if you've got zero TFSA, you could probably offer, you know, a 20 cent proposal. If you've got a pretty valuable TFSA, we'd have to consider, well, if you filed for bankruptcy, they would have access to those funds. So your proposal might have to be a little bit higher than it would otherwise be. What about non-registered investments? So a taxable account. Yeah. Um, it has no registration protection as a TFSA. It has no registration, a registered protection like an RSP. But, and let's just say, just mm -hmm. for the example you're giving us today here, um, it's money that someone's had there. It was invested for a while. It's not like they took yep. cash and threw it into investment. It's just part of a sound financial plan. Mm -hmm. But because it isn't RSP, TFSA, it's just cash. I, I can guarantee, I'm paying attention, in a consumer proposal, that's or sorry, in a, in a bankruptcy, that's going to be gone because it's yeah. an asset. Exactly. Yep. But in a consumer proposal, is it protected or does it become part of the negotiated payback system? So there's never any direct charge on that asset. So the asset is protected in a proposal. Again, in a bankruptcy, you're right on. If you're in a bankruptcy, there are certain assets that are protected. A lot of them, you know, your household goods, furniture, vehicle, right. home equity to a certain amount, all of that. But non-registered accounts are not protected. In a proposal, you don't pledge any assets. So there's no security against that, but it is considered. You know, if someone's got $50,000 in their TFSA and they owe $80,000 in debt, you know, they probably have to offer a proposal that's similar to the amount that would get paid back if they had to collapse the TFSA. Okay. The benefit is they don't collapse it. They get to keep the investments, keep the future upside, everything along those lines. In lieu of them surrendering those assets, they make a proposal that leaves the creditors in a little bit of a better spot than if they had surrendered those assets. Okay. Now, just since we're talking about TFSAs, we're talking about RSPs, talking about investments, what about the proposal's done, it's accepted, mm -hmm. They've got their payment plan, if you will, or what are they paying towards each of those creditors, et cetera. Are they then free and clear to start making deposits back to their TFSA, yep. back to their RSPs without yeah. any fear? Yeah. They're free and clear. They're in control. Again, all of their assets. They're spending. Yeah. If you're in a bankruptcy, you have to be a little bit careful while you're in bankruptcy. If you accumulate assets, if someone gives something to you, if you win a lottery, if you get an inheritance, all those things can and do happen if someone's if in a bankruptcy. You find a good friend. Well, because you're going to need help. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've had someone file bankruptcy in the morning, win the lottery in the afternoon. So, you know. You got to wonder. Well, at that point, you pay everything off, you annul the bankruptcy, but let's not do that again. Um, but, you know, essentially, if you're in a proposal, um, the proposal is frozen from the day that that proposal is accepted. Okay. If you increase your salary, all that upside is yours. Um, if you decide, you know, or if you had a windfall, a lawsuit, inheritance, anything like that, all that upside is yours. So yes, you can start to rebuild yourself as soon as the proposal is accepted. And the worst thing is that people sometimes think, well, I got to wait until this proposal is all finished before I start to rebuild my credit, before I start to invest. No, as soon as you've got that payment plan, so maybe your, your $20,000 of debt is maybe down to $100 a month now, and now you've got a few hundred dollars a month that you can invest, start doing that right away without any worries that your creditors would have a single claim on that dollar. Okay. So that actually ties into the next question then that I had my list of questions so I can learn here and help mm -hmm. our clients out. Um, so how does it affect, you're in a consumer proposal, it's accepted. You're, 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 you're good. And we'll ask this for both questions. So I know you'll answer for both. Mm -hmm. How does it affect then if you're applying for a mortgage or you're applying for a loan, you need a car or whatever, your car mm -hmm. broke down, you need a new car or something like that. How, how is that affected then? 
Yeah. Anytime you restructure your debt, um, it's going to have a mark on your credit. So anytime you don't pay your debt back in full, plus interest, plus all of the charges, your credit rating is going to take a hit. It's not as bad as most people think, and it's something that you can recover from, but all things being equal, you're going to have an easier time borrowing money before you do an insolvency proceeding than, you know, right after when it's really fresh on your, on your record. So what happens with the bankruptcy is from the day that you finish your bankruptcy, and for most bankruptcies, they're over in nine months, which people are shocked to learn. They think it's, you know, six, seven, ten years. Years. Oh, well, that's no, one of my questions coming yeah. up, too. Oh, okay, well, yeah, most bankruptcies <laughs> are over in nine months. We can talk more about it, but it's going to be listed on your credit report for six years after that discharge ah, that you okay. went into bankruptcy. So that's, you know, there's an element of truth in every myth. That's why people say bankruptcy takes seven years. Right. If you did nothing to rebuild your credit, well, then, yeah, you'd have bad credit for seven years. But if you finish the bankruptcy in nine months, you start to put some money away for investments, you pay all of your new debts on time every month, even your cell phone bill, no exceptions, as little as two to three years after after even a bankruptcy, people are able to qualify for mortgages. They're able to get car loans without crazy risk premiums. They often have a better credit rating than when they started out because coming after an insolvency proceeding, there's no other debt. You know, but before an insolvency proceeding, maybe they couldn't borrow another dollar because they had five credit cards all maxed out. Now they owe nobody anything. The first bank that actually treats them with respect and takes a little bit of a chance, generally they're going to have a customer for life. So don't expect, you know, two or three months after a bankruptcy that you're going to be able to get a credit card, but two to three years after, yeah, you would be able to. And the way that you build up to that is you start with a secured credit card, which you could get immediately after filing a bankruptcy. You put a deposit down, you get a card with slightly lower than that limit so that the bank has no risk. But it's so important people understand a prepaid card versus a secured card. Prepaid card, you can go buy anywhere, Money Mart, Shoppers, Drug Mart, whatever, high fees and does nothing for your credit report because it's not tied to you at all. Mm -hmm. Secured card, you apply for it, it's tied to you. Many of the best ones have no fees whatsoever. It's not like there's you know anything that you're really paying a whole lot for, but every month they're going to report on the credit bureau, you incurred an obligation, you paid it off, you do that for two or three years and your credit rating is going to improve pretty rapidly. So the myth now we know about, because my next question was, but you've pretty much answered it, is about how long before your record is clear, and that's yep. depends on Oh, I should tell you about a proposal on, on yeah, that. No, so, yeah, so a proposal yep. then. Yeah. So we know mortgage in it, a lot of it can depend on your, or not mortgage, or bankruptcy, depend on your situation and what you do to really mm -hmm. get that record fixed, Yeah. Um, the actions you take. So what about a proposal, because I know it's a 45-day from the proposal, usually mm -hmm. to when it's done. Then you go on, you start making your payments. So you know what your structure is, you know what your payments are, mm -hmm. but now you got to live and you do need a house or you do need a car because you got to work to pay your bills and you don't have a car, let's say. So how long with the proposal before you're kind of the smoke clears and you can mm -hmm. go apply. Yeah, so a proposal is less severe than a bankruptcy. So it's not as bad first off, but it's not that different. You're still not that, you're not close to paying everything off in full, but you're not as bad as if you had filed for bankruptcy. A proposal lasts for slightly less time. So a proposal falls off your bureau, um, the shorter of either six years from the day that you've signed it or three years from when you pay it off, whenever is first. So most proposals, the maximum term in law is 60 months or five years. So literally from the day you make your last payment on the 60th month, 
12 months after that, it's off your credit report like it never happened. It never shows as a bankruptcy. You never have to say, yes, I went into bankruptcy. No, you did a proposal. It's a totally different legal remedy. If it's a shorter proposal, maybe you pay it off sooner because things improved for you, or maybe it's some family members that want to help you out to pay off your debt, and they're very clever saying that we can give you the money to pay it off in full, or hey, what if you did a proposal, paid it off 20 cents in the dollar, and all that extra money we we're going to give you, let's help you reestablish yourself, make some investment. That's a whole lot of a better outcome there. Um, so from three years from when the proposal is paid off, that's when it drops off your bureau then as well. Okay. Um, again, not as severe as a bankruptcy, and it is possible in a bankruptcy, you have to surrender all of your credit cards the day that you file. There's no gray area about that. In a proposal, if you have a card that has a zero balance, you know, maybe you use a few hundred bucks every month, you pay it off, that doesn't have to be surrendered in a proposal. So you actually can continue to have some credit during the term of a proposal. You have to make sure you're going to keep it manageable. And the day you do the proposal, that has to be a card that is at zero or have a, you know, under $250 balance. Oh, okay. Um, what are a couple of examples or, or a couple of hints you can give for people with debt tips? So maybe <laughs> not getting debt's a good tip, um, <laughs> but in, in dealing with debt, what are some mm -hmm. tips and things to look for? Yeah, I know a couple of things. One that jumps out to me now because I'm just seeing a ton of people that are dealing with CRA debt because of all the pandemic benefits. You know, even if you qualified for SERB, some people didn't realize it was only on a gross basis on your income. So everybody had to pay tax oh, on that. Trust me. I'm sure you've had There's some There's a chats, lot right? of people who applied <laughs> for benefits who full well knew mm. they weren't entitled to yeah. benefits and they're, they're shocked. Yeah. When the government comes and wants their money back. Well, and the government shoveled out to 9 million individual Canadians well, with almost no checks. the government didn't make checks, it very so, clear either. But yeah. And I think they could have done a whole lot of better job setting the rules out, but they prioritize speed over everything else. So we're getting a ton of people who owe the government I think they prioritize re-election, but that's another story. <laughs> there we go. Another podcast, I'm sure. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. So if it is the government that you owe money to, the biggest um, advice is don't ignore it. Because where I was talking earlier about other creditors, they have to take you to court, you're going to get notice of that, everything along those lines. The government, very little notice to you, you know, they'll generally send one, one letter, make one phone call. After then, they can start seizing assets, they can register on title to your property, they can start to garnish your wages, and they can actually go up to 100%. And even on income that other people couldn't touch. So if you're on a pension, you don't need to be worried if MasterCard sues you, a judge is not going to let them take all your money from your pension, they're probably not going to give them anything. Government doesn't need to get court approval. They can take up to 100% of CPP, um, of OAS. They can really leave people choked off from their income. Um, so if you're dealing with government debt, don't ignore it. Either, you know, phone, CRA, try to work out we a payment plan. That. Yeah, yeah. Or, they'll take a payment plan Oh yeah, up to easily. 12 months. Yeah, they're quite happy and, and they just want to be in contact with you. Know, I've heard someone say, you know, CRA are great box checkers. So what they want to know is that you're compliant. So get the returns filed in up to date. Don't have the strategy. I'm not going to file because I know yeah. I owe money. They already know you owe money. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I had someone, they, 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 they basically, though, here's the thing what people don't understand with CRA. Um, kind of relates to this, but with their box checking. CRA people on the phone, you got to wonder if they're commissioned sometimes because I tell you, they, they kind of get a little heavy-handed like with people with tax installments. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and like self-employed people. Yeah. Oh, no, you have to pay. And we, try, we do podcasts about this in education. We've done TV about this. If you... Um, you know, owe installments or you're self-employed, you actually have no obligation to pay mm -hmm. for the coming year right. going forward. You just have to make sure you pay by the deadline the next year or else you pay interest yep. and a penalty. But it's so low, sometimes it's better to put that money away mm -hmm. and invest it. But CRA, CRA 
is very good at negotiating mm-hmm. um, if you owe, because if you're one of those people, a little different from talking about insolvency and whatnot, but but your situation might change from year to year. Take it yeah. in BC. We're in BC. Our biggest thing is real estate. It seems mm. it changes so much. But real estate people, their income in 2023 could be vastly different from their income in 2020, 2021. Oh, exactly. And right? they might yeah. make way less. So- the CRA is telling you to pay tax on what you would have made a few years ago, mm-hmm. not what may, I hope not, but maybe way less of an income. So right. yeah, get in front of it, negotiate, I guess, is always the case, whether it's bankruptcy proposal or. Yeah. Or even if you're just informally dealing with CRA, silence is never your your best, best yeah, plan there. Yeah, they won't there. go away. Yeah. But. They will not send you an email. We talk about that with people all the time. That's CRA so frustrating is a, to me, Peter. A telephone call. Are we 1996 here? Like and CRA yep. is a telephone yep. call and yep. a fax machine. Yep. People don't realize CRA will not email because emails can be compromised, and that's mm-hmm. where all the spam and the and the fraudulent people come in. Yep. Is is doing things like that. So oh, yeah, we, we try deal to with them. Several hundred proposals a month that have CRA tax set, and it's through fax machines. Yeah, so they're well, like, well, but they can't be. People can't think is it, it yeah. archaic, yeah. but it's not archaic. It's because it can't be. It can't mm-hmm. be scammed, so yeah. no one can achieve it. The challenge we've got is a lot of CRA agents are still working from home, and the fax machine is in the office. So it's one day a week they'll be able to receive faxes. But yeah. well. another podcast that we talk about our frustrations with CRA. Yeah. Um, I think another tip, if if you don't mind, is yeah, just go for it. The, the whole idea of you know being kind to yourself and realizing that being in debt is not a comfortable situation. And a lot of people are so hard on themselves; they think that they've mismanaged, they've made so many mistakes, and maybe they've made some mistakes. But almost every client, when we dig into it, we see. Well, well, you were trying to do all the right things and then something came and just whacked you over the head, something like a global pandemic that hit everyone. Yeah. But even before and after that, the typical, the job loss, marital breakdown, illness of yourself or a close family member, any of those factors can cause somebody to start to rely on credit. And then they're often so quick to judge themselves, to really put so much pressure, to flail about, sometimes to borrow from friends and family and just make things worse. So you want to just stop, just take a deep breath. And that's what the collectors don't want you to do. If you're getting collected, calls. They're trying to create the urgency to play the psychological warfare to you to make it seem like you're the worst person in the world. So, you know, take a breath and get some advice from the folks who know what needs to happen in these situations for you to get relief. Yeah. Great advice. Um, appreciate you coming in because I think this is something that people have to realize, and this is why we did this segment with you and we appreciate it, is not to be scared of knowing that it, you, if you, ha- if you need a consumer proposal, you haven't failed. I yeah. mean, you're you're just you need to hit the reset button, and yeah. and that can happen with people, as we know. When we say, and that's what we talk about with our Omni formula is better to have a plan and know where you are than we talk about being the ostrich investor sitting with mm-hmm. your head in your sand. But dealing yeah. with your debts, being an ostrich is not going to help. Yeah. So if people aren't sure what to do, reach out to Blair and his team get advice, but how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, you can find us online at sands-trustee.com. You can give us a call at 310-0911, toll-free anywhere in the province. We do a ton of our, our meetings by video or telephone these days, but we still have offices everywhere in BC, so you can meet with us in person or or virtually as you choose. And we didn't talk much about it, Peter, but it costs nothing to meet with us. It costs nothing to start a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy. If we work with you to, st- to structure a proposal, however many, many meetings you need, they're all at no charge. And then whatever you 
you pay in the proposal, that just starts 30 days after you've signed it. So you get the financial breathing room, you restructure, and it's at a very no pressure type of environment. Actually, that's a good thing because we're all about, with everything financial, full disclosure, full transparency. I'm sure this comes up when people talk to you, but if people are watching, mm -hmm. How do you guys get paid? Is it a is it a percentage of what's being paid back or is it an mm -hmm. hourly fee or how do they do that? Yeah, good question. So it's different on each of a bankruptcy and a proposal. Okay. In a bankruptcy, under both, there's government tariffs, so every trustee is the same. On a bankruptcy, if you're low income, you pay in and around $2,300 over a nine-month period. The majority of that goes to the trustee. There's also court fees, filing right. fees, different things like that. But it's usually between two and $300 a month for about nine months. On a proposal, the way a trustee gets paid is every month when you pay in your payment, the the trustee sends roughly 80% of it to your creditors and roughly 20% of it is retained by the trustee for costs of administration. But the important thing well, is- that's still cheap though when you compare the numbers you were talking about yeah. earlier about how much it's- Oh yeah, if you think, by. you know, and this real numbers, you know, a $20,000 debt, we're often getting that down to $6,000, so $100 a month. Um, so you can imagine the person was paying a whole lot more than 100 bucks a month and our fee of, you know, 20 bucks or whatever is built into that $100. There's never a separate bill that we okay. send to anybody. It's nothing, you know, certain hour times an hourly rate. We don't bill anybody like that. It's whatever the proposal was structured to help the person. The government says what the trustee is allowed to retain. People, you get what you pay for. That's a smoking deal if you're in trouble because that alone is worth the peace of mind and being able to sleep at night. So uh, thanks for coming in. If mm -hmm. we get questions from people, uh, they reach out to us at everythingfinancial.com. Go to the Your Money podcast on where you find YouTube or at YouTube, sorry, and go to the Everything Financial Group channel or wherever you see podcasts, look us up. But if you have questions, consumer proposal, bankruptcy is something you want to know more about, have questions send them to Blair or send us to us. And if we think we can do another episode that'll educate people, I'm sure you'd be happy to come in and, and mm -hmm. help us out. And I uh, appreciate your time today. Thanks My a pleasure. lot. Thank you, Peter.